welcome everyone to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Merry sweet Christmas, everybody. Uh, here today to talk to you about the renewal, Matt, of Luke Cage uh, by Netflix for season two. Can you believe it? We've had three Marvel Netflix shows to this point. Three times is the charm. All three have been renewed, although the schedule's getting awfully crowded. It is. It makes you wonder what peak kind of Marvel TV is, what peak production is. I think that that's a uh, that's ultimately a decision that probably the brain trust at Netflix only knows best. But uh, Pete, I will take it. More Marvel TV is always a good thing. I have to say that uh, Luke Cage, with its social commentary, with just the entire vibe of coolness that permeated the all-too-brief 13-episode season, uh, has risen to the rank of number one amongst uh, my personal list of Marvel TV offerings. I am chomping at the bit for more. Yeah, it remains uh, a show. I think because of the because of the subject matter that it tackles, it remains a show that is so timely. Uh, probably will will be timeless in the way it's looking at uh, not just the superpower stuff and and all of that 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 is great fun, but, but the issue of race, uh, class to a certain degree, uh, the the desire to move up in the world. Uh, some of these things very specific, others a bit more universal. When you have a comic hero who is bulletproof and then you bring him on to TV in 2016 amidst what's going on in our society and then we have the race element and then we bring in the uh, the law enforcement angle and the interaction there and that the other lead on the show is a detective also of color, you know, again, we, we come back to how valuable and how important the contribution that uh, Chio Hadari Coker's, uh, you know, TV show has been to society. There's been discussion as a result of this TV show, which I think is the ultimate praise. Pete, in a moment, we'll take one more look back at uh, what has been called the the most important television show of 2016. But let's look ahead to 2017. How are we going to fit Punisher and Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Defenders and Sigourney Weaver and all of this into 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 not just a television production model, but a television consumption model? Well, whoa, let's not uh, short Iron Fist, which is next up on the schedule. And apart from Jessica Jones, pretty darn important to uh, Luke Cage as well. Um, as is currently slated, we only have one show uh, formally scheduled, and that is Iron Fist uh, on St. Patrick's Day on uh, March 17th, 2017. All 13 episodes of that season dropping will have all four of the Defenders feeder shows on Netflix. Punisher is filming. Don't have a date yet. Defenders filming. Don't have a date yet. Um, Jessica Jones was long renewed, uh, coming up on a year now, do not have a date yet, has not filmed yet. They have named their directors. 
Um, all women, by the way. All Very women, which, again, a, another win in terms of uh, this diversity in a show we're talking about, um, you know, race, their gender. So, uh, Matt, I, I just don't know. I'd have to say 2018 at the very earliest for Luke Cage. The good thing is we're going to get him. We know for certain in the Defenders. Does he pop up there in Iron Fist? Well, I just have to watch. Yeah, I think uh, smart money just based on when these things are being produced. Smart money would be perhaps Punisher in the summer. I think whatever the tone of that show might be, it's obviously going to be authentic to the Punisher. So, so that would probably fit well with kind of a summer, you know, uh, action vibe. Um, I believe the rumor is for Defenders to hit sometime in the fall. And uh, if word is to, believe, to be believed that Jessica Jones is going to go into production as soon as Defenders wraps, uh, that would suggest that perhaps Jessica Jones hits some point in the in the winter uh, of 2016. So, Pete, it's 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 a cup that overfloweth with some marvelous bounty. Listen, I I think things have worked out even better than they anticipated. That we've had uh, two seasons of Daredevil, we've had one season scheduled of each of the other shows. And that they did not anticipate the success of the Punisher character. They're striking while the iron is hot there. Um, it, it is a bounty at a bounteous time of year, Matt. And we're just reaping the uh, benefits. Indeed, Pete, it is the season of giving. And uh, I believe I spy over there a, uh, a Luke Cage present to be, uh, to be shared with the audience right now. So should we head straight into that, Pete? Absolutely. Joining us now is the actor who portrayed Pop's son, Stephen Hill. Yo, yo. Welcome, Stephen. <laughs> Thank well, you for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, congratulations on being involved in Luke Cage in the role of Burt Hunter, son of uh, Henry Pop Hunter. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Had to keep that under wraps for a long time, too. Uh, how has the response been since uh, the whole series, the whole first season dropped of uh, Luke Cage on Netflix on September 30th? You know, well, everybody's talking about the show, you know, it's uh, officially known as the, uh, the show that broke that broke Netflix. You know? <laughs> um, so that's awesome. You know, my uh, my character, you know, specifically the way they cut the scene. Um, you know, a lot of people actually didn't even re recognize that it was me. Um, and one, I was coming, I was coming off of, uh, shooting something in Canada where, uh, my character didn't have a haircut for a couple of years. So I had a pretty, I was still kind of in that phase of that character a little bit. And, um, so I had a big beard and a lot of hair on my head. And so, you know, I didn't look like I normally look anyway, uh, I was kind of starting to look like Luke Cage looked when he was in, in jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? I started looking a little crazy like that. Absolutely. So, um, so I think that uh, uh, you know, it's not the kind of response where people are like stopping me in the streets, like, "Oh, yo, are you the dude?" You know, because I don't think people actually got a good enough look at at Burt Hunter. But um, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, I, I will come back for the next season. I, I don't see why they would open a can of worms like that for a character like that. And then also uh, give me a first and last name to not right. have me come back, you know? 
Definitely. TV Guide has called Luke Cage the most important TV show of 2016. How does it feel to be a part of that? Um, well, as a black man, as a, a quote unquote, you know, you hear this a lot these days, uh, conscious black man. You know, I just thought the show was it was so refreshing. You know, um, you know, I was telling I was talking to a friend recently and I was saying, you know, even even like, let's say, like Star Wars, you know, I went to see Star Wars the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, in a lot of these imaginative worlds, you know. Uh, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, so on and so forth. Um, they don't really like to imagine a whole lot of black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it'll. Be, I mean, they'll imagine some blue people. They'll imagine, you know, <laughs> dudes with like ears grown out of their out of their thumb and shit. like you know, it, it's it's. But when it comes to actual, you know, some black folks, they don't do a lot of imagining in, in that era. You know, like there's a. A scene, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Star Wars. I'm pretty sure you yes. probably have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a scene where, you know, they need to get this this uh, this line out, right, to get these plans out. Yep. And this black guy goes, I'm going, right? <laughs> and boom, yeah. <laughs> and he just gets, like, whacked, like, immediately, you know? So to see in Luke Cage a character you know, a guy that's like from the neighborhood, even um, like the everyday guy uh, be the superhero was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly timely for where we are and no wonder TV guide would refer to it in such a way. And, and, you know, the diversity, you know, we, we just marveled, you know, no pun intended, watch it, this show and the, the number of, actors they were able to reach for and just how successful they were at telling the story it, it it's story and character and uh you know had to be a blast to be involved in yeah and it was like so many levels to it too you know they uh you know right when this when the the, the sh- show starts they're in the barbershop and they're just you know they're talking about sports right and this mm-hmm. is you know i go to a black barbershop all the time in brooklyn and, uh, you know, people talk about sports and they talk about rappers and they talk about those things. But then, you know, we actually do sit in there. And we talk about books. You know, they were talking about books, you know what I mean? And authors, right. you know, which I thought was just very refreshing. Um, there were just all these nuanced levels to the show. It was authentic. Really, yeah, yeah. It was very authentic. Marvel productions are renowned for their secrecy. Uh, what was the audition process like? Oh man, it was super secret. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for everybody knew the show as Tiara mm-hmm. going in, you know, um, you know, they, Marvel doesn't even give you, uh, they don't give you the name of the show, you know? And I mean, now, I mean, the cat's pretty much out of the bag. You know, if you go into any comic shop, I started like, it kind of got me uh, sparked into like kind of at least going back into comic book sh- shops and stuff. Okay. And, uh, you know, the people in this, in the store, they knew they, they were like, Oh yeah, they, you know, there's a new Luke Cage, you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay. So you guys already know, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the code word for it was Tiara. Yep. And when they put, um, the signs up on the street, you know, it would say Tiara, it wouldn't say Luke Cage, you mm-hmm. know, to kind of throw off like, you know, I'm pretty sure they could throw off a couple thousand people with that one, you know. Um, 
So uh, that was one thing. And then they have this whole thing where you have to like log into their web, some sort of website to get the, the, your lines, your mm-hmm. sides, mm-hmm. you know, oh, so wow. it's like, yeah, it's like really weird. They want to know if you're printing and you know, how many you're printing, you know, it's yep. just really crazy. And, you know, it's kind of silly because all you got to do is just take a screenshot of it with your phone, you know? <laughs> so kinda like if you really wanted to get around that, you could, but um, yeah, they're pretty secret. They're pretty secretive and they make you sign the, uh, the non-disclosure stuff and you know you're not supposed to talk about it and so on and so forth of course i learned to not talk about the stuff anyway because you talk about it and then you know you can get edited out of the show and like oh i thought you were gonna be a luke cage you know that kind of thing so yeah i'm normally quiet so you play bert in episode 105 just to get a rep which personally happens to be my favorite episode of the series that is my favorite Marvel series to date. So much goes on in that episode. You got a great open uh, with that long live the chief song. You've got the reintroduction there of Claire Temple of Rosario Dawson's character to uh, the Marvel world because she was in Daredevil and she's, uh, you know, uh, in Jessica Jones you got the great scene with uh, Coco and uh, Cottonmouth with the benign neglect. There's the Judas bullet. There's the stuff with Aisha's dad's ring. And then it all culminates in, in Pop's funeral where where you show up. You know, tell us a little bit of what it was like to be in an episode where so much goes on. Well, one thing that's cool is, um, you know, a little fun fact is, uh, you know, Jadena did that Long Live the Chief. Um, he was actually supposed to be in, uh, a bit more of the episode as well. Wow. Uh, uh, but you know, he had pretty much his own music video in the first, in the beginning of the, of the film, um, in the beginning of the episode, but I was in, I did, a, I had a little small cameo in his, uh, video for the song classic man. Okay. Um, which was his like breakout hit. Uh, so I've actually worked with him. I didn't work with him on set for this. But uh, I, I I was in that video, so that's like a little weird coincidence. And then I met um, the girl that plays Aisha, mm-hmm. actress uh, Ninja DeVoe, and we've been we've been friends ever since. And we actually like get together and put each other on tape for auditions now. Okay. All all the time, you know, <laughs> at least once we do it like once a week now, you know, at least maybe maybe twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, and I and I know Simone Missick really well. Okay. So, you know, and I've and I even met um, I've met uh, uh, Mike Coulter before as well too. Like years ago, we were at the gym uh, on 120 26th Street. We were at there used to be a um, Planet Fitness there. We used mm-hmm. to go to Planet Fitness, and uh, you know, I just stopped him and said, "Hey, man." you know, I've seen some of your work or whatever, congratulations, that kind of thing. But um, when I did, when I did that monologue, the monologue was super, super powerful and emotional. Um, Like people were in there kind of crying because of the monologue. Wow. And uh, yeah, like a couple of people were like, you know, I, I wanted to hug you, you know, like the other extras that were in there, you know, they don't, they don't really know necessarily. Cause a lot of times it's people that have never done acting before. And they were like, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to get in trouble, but I wanted to hug you. Cause you look like, 
you know, you were really at a funeral. You know, it was kind of that kind of thing. Right. But, um, you know, Herschela came over and uh, congratulated me. And he was just like, oh, man, you oof, you stayed in that all day. And I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you see it's out of focus, but there are a couple of like somewhat close ups of me throughout that scene. And, um, you know, you can see that I kind of stayed in that all day. So for the viewer, they see a couple of minutes. But for me, that's eight hours of like right living, being at an actual funeral kind of in, in a way. So um uh, and Mike also was like, Hey, after he saw that, he was like, wait a minute, we met before, you know, he remembered <laughs> then you know? it was like, we met before, you know, which was cool. And I actually, um, I gifted him a graphic, a graphic novel. Um, nice. I bought this graphic novel by, uh, an artist that I actually met and t- I've talked to a couple of times, um, Sean Martinborough. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he did a, a really cool Luke Cage graphic novel. And uh, I actually just signed it and gave it to Mike. So, yeah, it was an awesome episode to be a part of. Nice. Even though I was only there for one day, I met um, I met Ninja. And then um, Ron C. Jones, mm-hmm. who, plays, who plays Bobby Fish. Yep. I want to say he's probably the closest to any kind of acting mentor I've ever had. Wow. Um, oh, wow. He's probably one of the coolest guys you will ever meet, um, you know. And it's it's hard to to for men to kind of get a mentor, mm-hmm. um, unless you're like a kid. You know, when you're a kid, everybody wants to help you. Like, oh, kid, I'll put you under my wing. You know, but when you're a grown ass man, you can't. It's tough to get a mentor. Right. But um, I met him in my neighborhood in Harlem. Uh, he was getting some keys made randomly he was just moving into an apartment in the neighborhood and uh i saw him at a hardware store getting keys made and i was like oh you the dude from um paid in full that i love that yo you did your thing <laughs> you know and he was just so oh man steve oh man how you doing brother you know what i mean he was like, <laughs> like that and we exchanged numbers and he's the kind of guy i can call like if i have any question i, I rarely ever do it but you know, if I had a question about something, right. he'll he'll pick up the phone and he'll come. Hey, man, let's, let's you know, let's go sit in Central Park, man. Let's go talk. You know, he's like <laughs> that kind of guy. Uh-huh. So to do that scene and then step off of that podium and give him a hug yep. a thousand times that day was just super cool <laughs> for me. It was super cool for me, you know. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, instead of giving me my close up, they wanted to look at the back of. Luke Cage's head as he walked into the damn place. <laughs> you know, that's the way. That's the way it goes sometimes, you know. Well, also going on in that scene, you get to address the church with all the actors you just mentioned. Uh, you discuss this beloved character and the subject of absentee fatherism in the African American community. No, no easy task. What was that like? Exactly. Added to to all the other things going on in the scene. I, you know, and I, and I just felt like I just knew it was an important. You know, I felt the, the you know, it was more, it was the first thing that I did coming back from shooting in Canada. I was shooting a, a pretty big project out there um, for HBO, a six-part miniseries um, uh, called Lewis and Clark. And uh, oh. I was I was playing the York role, and York is the only Black guy that went on the Lewis and Clark expedition. So it was just like huge role. And then halfway through, they they kind of they didn't cancel it, 
but they decided they were going to go back to the drawing board. So we all, all of the people that were shooting um, abruptly had to stop. Hmm. So, you know, to go from getting that treatment and just, you know, being like a lead in something in a a hundred plus million dollar project, um, you know, it was tough to just come home to doing like really small stuff. So, you know, the fact that, you know, I, I used to collect comic books. Uh, this is a, a black character from Harlem. I'm from half Harlem, half Jersey, you know, so I live in Harlem now, you know. So um, this was the first project I did when I got back that I was like actually excited about. And, you know, and I knew the importance of of that scene and the, of the whole absentee fatherism thing. And halfway through doing after i did a couple of takes of of the monologue the writer gave me like four more lines um after we went to lunch and came back and he said here i want you to you know just use these lines because we want to use those lines to cut around you Mm -hmm. because we don't want to cut away from the work that you were doing and so you know i was honored and i think they still kind of cut away from it a little bit because i think i gave so much you know um emotion it may not have fit with with everybody else in the scene a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I did my thing and I was honest, and uh, I thought it was um, uh, important, you know, to play uh, the the son of this slain brother and talk about, you know, he talks, you know, you kind of, you know, there's a few storylines that you're following. You're following like Luke. Um, coming in and this whole Aisha has the gun and stuff yeah. like that. So then you also have Cottonmouth and like all everything's like there at the same time. It's called, it's almost reminiscent to me um, of a scene in uh, New Jack City. It kind of feels like New Jack City to me in that moment. Um, okay. Where there's like like Nino's, you know, he's kind of like kind of in bed with the pastor a little bit, you know, it's yep. just all of this stuff going on. So it feels like there's so many little things going on in that one scene. But for me, my job was to just be real about the whole, the father, the absentee fatherism, like you said, and, and wanting to be, be there for my child and wishing that, you know, this, this hero of the community mm-hmm. was there for me. And it also kind of like, Besides his backstory, it also gives you like this, uh, gives Pops this humanity as opposed to just painting him out to be just a random, like perfect guy for the neighborhood. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a poignant, um, emotional scene there. You know, he's talking about, uh, your character's talking about trying to reconcile with his father, you know, uh, that, that he was going to become a father, it would have been Pop's grandchild, you know, just everything going on there. Um, you talked about it being just a day. Do you remember when you guys filmed that and, and where specifically you filmed that? Uh, we filmed it at Mount Olivet mm-hmm. Church. And uh, uh, it's actually not a church that I've been to, um, but it's in Harlem. It's on... Uh, I want to say Linux in like 120th Street or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and we filmed, it was a little chilly out. 
it wasn't cold cold yet but it was a little chilly out so i think it was in the fall sometime maybe october november of uh last year okay of 2015 yeah gotcha yeah so so you've appeared in uh boardwalk empire blue bloods uh the movie draft day uh you mentioned the the lewis and clark miniseries that hopefully hbo restarts eventually how did luke cage compare to those experiences oh man um Again, it was awesome because it was tied to my childhood. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's almost like if, as if I would if I would have been in like a Star Wars or something like that. <laughs> but it's like it's it's different because I don't have it's part of my childhood, but my in my childhood it was only in comic books. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like like Star Wars is tied to my childhood, but it's also it was on screen when i was a kid you mm-hmm. know um so it was different in that way and it, and it almost felt like i was a part of something like groundbreaking um yeah. and you know boardwalk empire was my my favorite one of my favorite shows on television at the time and uh you know for me to kill one of the major characters on that show <laughs> you know it literally everybody that i knew was like, oh man, don't even talk to me, man. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe you killed. You know, get out of here, man. Get out of my face. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so mad at you. You know, it was hilarious, man, how how much people love. But again, actually, if you think about it, Chalky White in 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 a sense kind of had uh he had that same appeal that Luke Cage has. Yeah. You know, where he's like the the champion of the community. Except, you know, Luke Cage is like the good guy, whereas Chalky White was kind of the bad guy. But to his community, he was the good guy. Yeah, there's the whole familial aspect going on there, how they humanized him. Yep. Um, Yep. You have any other stories from your time on the the set with Luke Cage? Oh, man. Well, I pretty much gave you guys the awesome, the awesome stuff. You you guys know everything. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, I met Mahershala, I met, uh, I met Mike again, you know, um, you know, Bobby Fish, uh, Ron C. Jones, who's just absolutely amazing actor. He's, he's popping up in everything now yes. too. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and so de- deservedly so, you know, um, cause he's always on stage. Mm-hmm. He's always on stage. He was just in a, in a play that won a Pulitzer. So, um, awesome awesome actor but you know just to be in the scene with him was really like you know powerful for me um and then to meet new people that i didn't know like like ninja who you know i I probably refer you guys to her um to have her on uh you know to to make her her acquaintance was, was really cool and uh you know and to see simone shine and get Mm -hmm. some get some some love that she really deserved because we did a film we did a film not too long ago together that was on hbo for a little while it still airs too on hbo randomly hbo or cinema cinemax and a bunch of other things it was a short called uh black card mm-hmm. and she was one she was in it her husband uh who's another awesome actor dorian missick was in it as well and uh and uh i was one of the actors in it and you know who knew when we were shooting that 
that we were all going to be in Luke Cage, you know. So you never just you never know what the future holds. But uh, for me to just pretty much, I could I took a cab to set, but I could have walked to set and been there wow. in less in less than twenty minutes, you know. In the cab, it was like a five minute ride, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just awesome to. I have on my Instagram somewhere. There's a photo that right in front of my trailer on the floor. There's a. It was like uh, some graffiti on the floor that said Harlem, and I took a picture of that. You can see my my foot in in front of the stairs to my trailer, and then it says Harlem. So it was just so cool to just be awesome. in my neighborhood working. Yeah. Um, almost as cool as my dad coming to set. Um, while I was shooting Boardwalk Empire. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, he came to set. Um, he just walked over, and it was a scene where myself and Jeffrey Wright get get uh killed, and um. You know, it's kind of weird for your dad to see you get killed, even though it's like not real. You know? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So uh, it was almost as cool as that because that was in Harlem as well. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's nice to be in the community and working. As we uh, as we start to wrap up here, what did you think of what Chio Hidari Coker was able to do with Luke Cage as a series? Um. I think he was just so perfect in what he was able to accomplish. He was, the, I think he was the best man for the job. And, um, you know, they, how they say like everything that you've done prior leads up to one point, but I think it's specifically for him. I read that, uh, that his mom worked at like a library or something and, uh, he would just read graphic novels and he loved hip hop as well. And he always felt that, that hip hop was like superhero music. <laughs> and so for him to go from like, you know, being the editor of Vibe magazines, I think it was, or something like that. And he had, you know, interviewed countless rappers. Um, and for him to take hip hop and infuse it in such a great way and then just take music period. Um, and then it wasn't just him. It was just also, he, uh, he had what was the guy named Adrian Younge, I think it was, and Raphael Sadiq. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Adrian does. Um, I heard he did. Uh, he does a lot of uh, Ghostface Killer stuff. Right. And um, you know, just to give you guys a heads up. I'm working on a project where I'm playing Ghostface Killer in a way. Wow. Um, oh wow. Yeah. It's called Tales from Shaolin, Part One: Shaky Dog. And on his Fishgale album, he has a song called Shaky Dog. Okay. And it's this like, it's this like a uh, heist film, heist kind of like song. And uh, we've made it into this heist film. And we've shot a ton of it already. And then we we raised on uh, Seed and Spark, we raised $8,000 to shoot the last scene, which is like the shootout scene. Okay. Um, and we have some awesome people involved in that. Trying to get, I'm trying to get Ninja involved as well um, <laughs> in that last scene. But uh but yeah, man, it was Luke Cage and what he was able to accomplish was just, man, it was amazing. And, you know, he's the, the thing is now he's he has to follow up and do it again. Right. You know? right. Um, and that is uh, going to be a, a tall order. But I think I think the second season of Daredevil was awesome. You know, yeah. so I didn't think they could, could top that first fight scene that they did in, oh. in the first season, <laughs> you know. 
And then this that that staircase thing in the yep. second season was amazing. You know, it was almost the one in the rain. You know, they had several. Yeah, man. man, listen, that staircase was almost starting to get into. Um, there's this one Asian film. Uh, damn it, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it might have been the best fight scenes I've seen in a really long time. Um, uh, Raid Redemption. Mm-hmm. Have you have you guys seen Ray Redemption? Yep, it's kind of getting it was getting in the Ray Redemption territory. Yeah, like, yeah. oh my, this is amazing, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, if they were able to top some stuff there, uh, I'm hoping that um, that uh, Luke Cage would do the same. And like you said, I think the the idea of the absentee fatherism and uh, they opened a can of worms with Bert yep. in that way. And I'm just hoping I come back. I hope I have something to do with that barbershop when I get back. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Taking over the, the barbershop there would, would definitely yeah. be a way to go. Yeah, something. At least let me sweep up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Ron, man. So is this a question? You know, they 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 passed the baton there. You're the you're the character's son. It's a oh, it's a man. way of keeping it in the family. You know, could yeah. could it be could it be son's barbershop or <laughs> Hey, it could be something, man. You know, I mean, Bert, Bert's Barbershop's got a nice ring to it. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. It has a good ring to it. And I mean, you, you'd be surprised at just how many people in that series I know, like, I've known for years, actors, you know. I mean, both of the the Shook Knights, you know, I know both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they played, like, goons in this, but they 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 were both... Uh, Shug, one was Suge Knight in Notorious, and the right. other one was Suge Knight in uh, in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yep. You know, and we both were, we've all worked together. You know, so it's just so many people that I can just name countless people in this series. So you know, if nothing else, even if I'm not in it, um, good friends of mine. Like I was just at a party last night with my friend Rob Morgan, who. Um, who plays uh, Barrett? You don't you don't need yeah, to introduce yeah. us to to uh, to Rob Morgan. <laughs> he is our favorite across all of these Marvel Netflix shows. Oh, that's awesome, man! I got I can't wait to tell him that he's he's gonna love that. Oh, we've yeah. interacted with him on Twitter. We saw him at New York Comic Con. He is the man. We want him. We've been pushing for him in uh, in Defenders that. Uh, you know, he's got to be hanging out with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I think they need to get all of them in there. And, and yeah, Sigourney, man, if if Rob if Rob gets in Defenders, how dope would that be? Because oh. he's in pretty much all of them now. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? So they need to make him a nice little through line, you know? Absolutely. Um, wouldn't be right without that. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know. Obviously, I'm not in the defenders, but I even got to work with Sigourney at one point. Did you? When did you work with Sigourney? Um, well, I wasn't in any scenes with her, mm-hmm. but this is a Marvel tie-in right here. Here's a cool Marvel tie-in. Okay. My first recurring role was in a show called, uh, it was called uh, Political Animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Sigourney Weaver's son, who he in the show, he plays the first first gay uh child in the white house okay and that was sebastian stan oh wow and i play sebastian stan's drug dealer 
There you go. You played the Winter Soldier's drug dealer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's the cool. That might be one of the coolest Marvel tie-ins. That that's I pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, now you've all been in a, in a Marvel jam. Yeah. Exactly. So. Exactly. What is the uh, what's the sensation like? What was your day like uh, on September 30th when all of the series uh, for Luke Cage drops? Do you go right to your episode? Do do you watch through? How, how'd you tackle that? No, I had to I had to watch through. I can't mm-hmm. I could you know I couldn't ruin it because it's way bigger than me, <laughs> you know? and uh, I wouldn't ruin it. By you know, and I I'm, I can be patient anyway. Um, you know, Lewis and Clark. If I didn't, if I didn't already have the patience. Lewis and Clark taught me an extreme amount of patience. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I can wait. I can wait forever. You know, especially being in the indie world, I'm used to doing a lot of indie films that take forever to come out. Um, so you know, it was like I just wanted to get quiet. I didn't want a whole lot of talking around. I didn't want anybody <laughs> around that didn't understand the 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 heat and and the weight of this thing. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of did my own thing and just been watched straight through. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I, I might have saved. I might have saved the last episode for another for like two days later <laughs> because I wanted to savor it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, hopefully HBO figures out the the deal there with Lewis and Clark. I know York is such an important, tragic part of that story, uh, and uh, and hopefully they get that figured out. Hopefully, with uh, Luke Cage coming back, you're involved uh, more there, and hopefully, hopefully see more of you on the big screen and the little screen. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Steve- I really do. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Continued success. Thank you, man. Follow me on Instagram. You got it. Following you on the Twitter there, too. Yeah, uh, Stephen Hill Axe. They're both the same uh, account. So, yeah, hit me up. You got it. Take care, my friend. Thank you, brother. You got it. Bye-bye now. Pete, want to say one more thanks to Stephen Hill joining us, sharing so much time, so much insight into his craft and his vocation. Definitely uh, super thankful for him making the time and being able to join us here on uh, the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek. Really, really fabulous stuff. So, Pete, as we start to wrap things up, part of this discussion, part of this, uh, all the technological whistles and bells behind the scene uh, is made, of course, by the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek and could not do it, could not do special bonuses like this without them. At a time of year when uh, you're looking back over everything that's happened and you're thankful for that, there are certainly the listeners, the followers, the friends that we have made and we are ultra grateful for. So thanks for being you. Thanks for contributing. And uh, thanks for another great year for Fantastic Geek. Well, Pete, to head forth into 2017, knowing what all the geeky goodness is, probably a great place to start is for people to follow you on the Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,666. What? Followers can't be wrong. <laughs> 
Wow. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> While I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast 24 7, 365. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and the H. You can find us on fantasticgeek.com, Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram, and fantasticgeek at gmail.com. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word. You click the little like thumb there. We'll be a part of your life into the new year and beyond. With that, Pete, I will say ho, 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 and happy new year to all our listeners. Of course, we will be back on the Pop Culture Podcast feed with more goodies between now and New Year's Day. But uh, always great to get together to talk Luke Cage. And I will give you the final word. Have yourself a sweet little Christmas. Oh, 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 oh,